Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Uh, Happy New Year. Great to see you all. And um, this, uh, this month of January, we're focusing on growing Christians, growing disciples. And so uh, to help you grow, uh, you know, our, our mission as a church is to make more and better followers of Christ who love God and love people. Uh, we're going to focus on the making better followers of Christ, on helping you and me, those of us that are already following Jesus, uh, to get closer to him and therefore become more like him. That's our definition of growing spiritually. You get closer to him and he makes you more like him. That's what spiritual growth is. We're focusing on that in all of our talks, all of our lessons, all of our sermons uh, this month. And so uh, we're going to jump right in. I want you to, uh, if you've got the hard copy of your Bible or your iPad or your smartphone, uh, turn to the scriptures, to the New Testament book of First Corinthians. There's a First Corinthians and a Second Corinthians. Go to First Corinthians. It's way back over, way back over about seven-eighths of the way through your Bible. Uh, go to chapter 15, which is almost at the very end of the book of 1 Corinthians, and then go all the way to the end of that chapter, to verse 58. And that's where we are, um, we are going to be. So let's pray that God helps us with this. Lord, now as we open your word, We thank you that you speak to us through the scriptures. And I pray that you would help every one of us to put aside all the things that clamor for our attention other than you. Important things. Uh, But Lord, help us to put those aside. Some of them urgent things. Some of them painful things. Uh, Lord, give us rest from those things for a moment. Open our eyes that we may see wonderful things from your word. Open our minds that we may understand the scriptures. Unlock our spirits by your Holy Spirit and give us the capacity to respond to you in obedience, to say yes, Lord, and amen to whatever you ask of us. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Here's what this passage says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, the Apostle Paul, inspired by God the Holy Spirit, penned these words to a group of new Christians, brand new baby Christians, the first Christians ever in the city of Corinth, gathered into the first ever church, baby Christians, baby church. Here's what he wrote. Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Look at the very first word of that verse. What is it? Okay, that's right. Therefore, now remember what we've learned about uh, handling God's word accurately. Uh, Anytime you come to the word therefore in the Bible, you need to be sure you understand what it's there for. Okay, and so he what he's saying here is since everything I've already written to you is true, since all this is true. Now, what's he written? 
Well, uh, he wrote this letter inspired by God the Holy Spirit to bring correction and instruction to these young Christians in this young church because they were a, they were a train wreck. Uh, they were a train wreck organizationally. They were a train wreck theologically. They were a train wreck morally. Uh, they had all kind of immorality going on and, and immaturity going on in their church. For those of you um, that uh, are not followers of Christ and you think that we Christians think we're better than you. No, 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 no. We understand better. We are not better than you. In fact, we're acutely aware of our own sinfulness and we don't think the church is a perfect place. In fact, we think the church is a gathering of a bunch of moral and spiritual foul-ups who need a holy and pure God to help us get straightened out. Well, God used the apostle Paul to help mature and straighten out and correct all these young Christians in, in this, um, in this church. And he wrote them, you know how, uh, how can I say this? You, you know how, when you were misbehaving and your mama or your daddy would get your attention and they'd say, don't make me come over there. You remember that? Anybody ever experienced that? Anybody, any parents use that technique? My dad didn't say, don't make me. He just showed up over there immediately and, uh, and straightened us out. Well, the apostle Paul is actually just writing this letter ahead of a visit. He knew it was important that he come. And he actually said, I am coming over there, but go ahead and read this letter before I come. And so he said, uh, he wrote to these and he said, my dear brothers. Now he's talking of his spiritual family here. These were these were Paul's brothers and sisters in Christ. These were, these were Paul's spiritual family members. Uh, he, he, they were, they, he cherished them. They were in his heart is the way he expressed it in, a, in another place in his writings. They had become precious to Paul, cherished by him, valued close in his heart. You know, God wants everyone to have a spiritual family like this. Every one of us has a physical family. That's how we get into the world. And everyone needs, God knows, a spiritual family, a church family, brothers and sisters in Christ, mothers and fathers in Christ, sons and daughters in Christ who will become dear to us also, very dear to us, uh, very close to us also. Now, your, your physical family cannot always be near at least not in our culture, right? I mean, how many of you live at least, at least one hour away from your, your parents or your brothers and sisters or your kids? How many of you live at least, at least one, look at everywhere, all over the place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your physical family cannot always be near, but the scriptures say there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You were made for, not only for a physical family, but you were made for spiritual friendships, that's what fellow church members are, spiritual friendships, spiritual family members. God, at least again in the Western world, has placed spiritual families in almost every community, sometimes in almost every other neighborhood. We are blessed by that. They're called local churches. And, and uh, you, you, he wants you to belong to one. He does not want you to go to church. He wants you to belong to one, a spiritual family. You don't, you don't, when you think of your physical family, you don't say, I'm going to family today. Or I join, you know, I'm going to. No, you belong to a family. 
If you're in the faith, you belong to a church family. And you should see, those dogwood people, you should see this congregation is a spiritual family made up of spiritual friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, mothers and fathers in the faith, sons and daughters in, uh, in the faith. God did not intend for you to live life on your own. He created you for spiritual friendships. And so this congregation might be the right one for you. If so, why don't you take that communication card you filled out earlier, and on that card, there's a place for you to sign up for the very next membership seminar. We call it the Belong Seminar. It's going to be on February the 9th, on Sunday afternoon. You can go ahead and sign up. There we tell you who we are, what we believe, how we got here, how we relate to each other. Because we belong to Jesus, we belong to each other, and how we live that out, that we belong to each other, we're accountable to each other, we're responsible for one another, and uh, we'll give you the opportunity to connect and belong. You don't even need to pray. So I'll pray about it. Why? God's already told you. you don't need, don't, God's already said it. You don't need to pray about joining the church. You just need to join one. And so wherever you go, join, connect as quickly as you can to the nearest Jesus-loving, Bible-believing, people-serving church you can find. Some of you have been sitting in this church in double-digit years, and you've never connected. What's that about? It's not, a, it's, not, it's not good for you. Come on. Welcome. Jump in. Well, the, this family was very, very dear to the Apostle Paul. And so he writes to them, uh, telling them uh, that since the resurrection is true, all of, all of uh, chapter 15, the immediate context was about the necessity of and the reality of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What it means, why it's important, why it's necessary, uh, that it proved that Jesus' resurrection guarantees our resurrection and our winning, our victory, our success over death, hell, and the grave. It guarantees our, our salvation. And he said, since this is true, there is one response There is one way that you should live. Since all this is true, what do you do? Now that this is true, how do I respond to this? Well, he says uh, you are to be something, you're to do something, and you're to know something. He tells them there's something I want you to be, something God wants you to do, and something God wants you to know. Same thing for you and me. Write these down. The first thing he said, I want you to be something, and here are the words. Be steadfast and immovable. Be steadfast. Be steadfast in your faith. Be steadfast in your service for Christ, for his glory and the good of this world. Be steadfast and immovable. Now, that means to be steady. That means to be unchanging. That means to be stable. It means to be solid. It means to be focused. It means to be strong. It means standing your ground. And he seems to say that we're responsible for this. You be. You be steadfast and immovable. You do this. And the Lord Jesus will help us. In Isaiah, jot down this reference, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. God says to us, whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear this command behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. What he's saying is... 
even though we're to be steadfast and immovable, we realize we're not always that way, are we? Some of you say, Pastor, I made New Year's resolutions to obey Jesus and love Jesus and serve Jesus since January the 5th, and I've already forgotten the whole thing. I'm already off course. I'm already distracted by the cares of my, my daily life. What do, we, what do we do about that? Well, the Lord Jesus knows that we are fickle, that we are unsteady, that we are tossed to and fro by the circumstances of our life, that we can become unfocused. Uh, our, our energy's dissipated. And uh, what do we do about that? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Well, we don't become solid. We don't become focused on Christ and his purposes. We don't become steady and unchanging by trying harder. We do not. We do so by faith alone in Christ alone. We do so by remembering the gospel, what we've already heard and known, the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So there he goes again, saying the same thing you say every week. Yes, yes, yes. It's just same old thing, just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You remember the gospel, and here it is, just a definition, quick definition. The gospel is the good news that God the Father, who is more holy than we can ever imagine, looked upon moral and spiritual foul-ups, people like you and me, with compassion. People like us who are more sinful and wicked and rebellious against God than we will ever admit. He looked upon us with compassion and he sent Jesus, God the Son, into history onto this earth to establish his kingdom and to redeem and rescue all of humanity and to redeem and rescue this world. Jesus, whose love is more extravagant than we can measure, came to sacrificially die in our place, for us, substituting for us, atoning for us in our sin, so that by his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead, we might gain through his grace alone what the Bible describes as new and eternal life based on Christ alone. Now, this is a love that is so extravagant that it motivates and enables us to be and do what God wants us to be and do. Uh, it, the, the Bible says it another way in Philippians. Jot this down, Philippians chapter 2. I believe it's about verse 13. I think I've got the address right. Philippians 2, 13. He says, it, it, this is what it means when he says, God is at work in you both to desire and to do his will. God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is God who is at work in you, both to desire and to do what pleases him. So the way that you become steadfast and immovable is to admit to God that you can't be steadfast and immovable. You remember him. You preach the gospel to yourself every day, and his love he works through his gospel, the power of his Holy Spirit, to desire and to do what he wants us to desire and do. Now, he said we're to be something. We're to be focused. We're to be steadfast. We're to be immovable. And then he said you're to do something. Well, look at that one. He says we're to excel in the Lord's work. Do excel in the Lord's work. Excelling in the Lord's work. Now, Paul wrote to the Corinthian Christians not simply to do the work of the Lord, but to excel at it. It's a word that means to abound in it. It's a word that means to throw yourselves enthusiastically 
into. It means to uh, uh, cast aside all caution and jump way in, to be all in on the work of the Lord, to excel in it, to do it with excellence. Now, this is one of our core values, serving God with excellence. We call it here at Dogwood our best, and we define it this way. We do the absolute very best we can with all the resources we have at the moment to serve God as an act of worship uh, for Him. Nothing half-hearted here. Uh, Evidently, it's possible to do the Lord's work in a half-hearted, slacker kind of way that is not only not pleasing to God, but it's not effective. He says, no, 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 don't just, well, I'll, I'll show up. No, no, no. It's all in. He says, make this your priority. So, Pastor, what, what, is, this, what is exactly the Lord's work? That's a good question. It's, it's investing in the lives of far-from-God people. It's leading far-from-God people to faith in Christ. It's inviting far-from-God people to dogwood Worship services on the weekend. It's doing the work of an evangelist. It's making disciples of Jesus. It's helping new Christians grow to become close to and Christ-centered people. It's helping spiritually mature people become multiplying disciplers, makers of disciple-makers. Your disciples who make disciples of Christ. Uh, it's, it's sharing the gospel with, of Jesus in our community. It's planting churches nationally. Uh, in urban Atlanta, in Washington, D.C., in Seattle, Washington, where we've been directly involved. It's embracing an unreached people group and, and going to help us take the gospel to the Altai peoples in the Altai Republic in Siberia. It is, it is equipping servant leaders, investing in servant leaders to serve God's purposes, not only in the church, but in all realms of the culture, in entertainment in the military, in public service, in the academy, in the marketplace. It, that's God's work. It is, it is um, assisting the poor, assisting the poor and under-resourced people here in our own community by volunteering at the Real Life Center. It's in giving of your own resources to people. Uh, it's caring for the sick. It's visiting people when they're in the hospital and when they're, when they're homebound because of physical difficulties to read the Scriptures to them and, and uh, pray for them and encourage them. Uh, so for some of you, it's providing expert medical care in the name of Christ. I mean, we have, we have tons of people who are uh, in the medical field and medical caregivers, doctors and nurses and uh, assistants and technicians. How many of you serve uh, in the healthcare realm of our culture? Raise your hands all over the place. Yes, yes, yes. We have tons of people. Well, listen, don't you know that God has called some of us to be healers? You are some of those people. You may have never realized it. He called you to give care for physical suffering in the name of Christ. Do it. Do it. it is, that's the Lord's work. For, for some of us, it's comforting those who are grieving. It's rejoicing with those who rejoice. It's praying for the ministry of Dogwood Church on the Dogwood Prayer Team. It's reaching the next generation of preschool children and elementary age children and middle and high school students, shepherding them and discipling them in their life groups. It's leading our church family to worship God in spirit and in truth. It's serving as a worship artist, a singer, uh, an instrumentalist, uh, uh, an equipment operator, an actor, uh, 
creating beauty, an artist that creates beauty to bring glory uh, to God. It's leading our church with all diligence, managing the infrastructure and resources of time and people and volunteers and money and facilities and equipment. And it's, it's helping find God's strategic, um, initiatives and to move into God's preferred future for our church, for his glory and the good of people. It's praying, it's witnessing, it's discipling, it's teaching, it's serving, it's comforting, it's equipping, it's leading, it's worshiping. And all of this, all of this to enrich the lives of people and increase the size of heaven. All of this to eliminate human suffering in this life and in the next. Now what, that, that's it. Now just jump in there anywhere. Jump in there anywhere. Just grab hold and jump in there anywhere. So how do you do this? Listen, the best uh, one old Texas, West Texas uh, farmer told me one time, he said, uh, Keith, the best way to learn how to ride a mule is just climb on. The best way to learn how to do the Lord's work is just get after it. Just jump in anywhere. Just climb on. Say, God, help me. I'm in. I'm all in. Help me be steadfast and immovable. Help me to abound in, to throw myself enthusiastically in the work of the Lord. Well, where do we do this? Well, uh, Pastor, is this what we do when we show up at the Dogwood campus? Well, sure, but it's much broader than that. The Lord Jesus said in the passage of Scripture we describe as the Great Commission that we are to make disciples of Jesus. We're to do the work of the Lord. Here's how he said it. As you are going. What he meant was you do this as as the natural expression of your life as you go through your everyday life. Where you live, where you work, where you go to school, where you play. You live your life in ministry and on mission in all the realms of your life. You do what you already do. I mean, you, you go where you usually go. You live where you now live. You work where you now work. You play where you now play. But you repurpose these settings. You repurpose these environments. You repurpose these realms of your life. And you see them. These are my platforms for excelling in the work of the Lord. To the people I meet here. To the people I know here. To the people I love here. To the people I'm going to meet and love here. You do it there. You do it there with those people. You serve God and you serve the people who are there. You live your life in ministry and on mission. Now, I have noticed that I have never seen a single person who lapsed into serving God with excellence, who just kind of fell into it and were surprised and they just by accident excelled in the work of the Lord. No, you do so by becoming intentional. You do so by intentionally influencing. I mean, you get focused. You plan on it. You prepare for, you prepare for it. You look at things that you can get rid of in your life so you got time to do it. What should you stop doing so that you got time to, uh, to serve God with excellence? I mean, if you're going to do add-ons, you've got to do some takeaways. So look at your calendar this year. What can you not do It doesn't matter anywhere near as much as this that you can focus on the work of the Lord. Uh, You get intentional. You write a personal development plan so that you 
Do what the scriptures say. You stir up the gifts that are within you, the natural talents and abilities God's given you, the spiritual giftedness uh, that he has given you, your natural heart and passion, the, the education and life experiences that God has given you to shape you and prepare you. Uh, how do you use those? And how do you get better at serving him? You read books. You go to conferences. You get spiritual mentors and ministry mentors. All the pastors and elders on our staff and in our church, that's what we're here for, to help coach you how to get better at being God's awesome instrument of holiness in this, in this world. But you get intentional about it. Be sure to do that. So Paul said, the Scriptures say that we are to be something, steadfast and immovable. We are to do something. We are to abound in with excellence the work of the Lord. And this, is, this means to abound and keep on abounding, serve and keep on serving, excel and keep on excelling continuously. And we're to know something. There's something he wants us to know. Take a look at the last part of that verse. He says it this way, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain, knowing that your work for the Lord, you and your work for the Lord matter big time. What he's saying is, is our culture says this following Jesus is, why would anyone do that? This serving God, it's a waste of time. I mean, you really, you're going to squander your life on on that, when you could be doing so much more. And that's what the culture says to you. But God says to you, no, 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 no. You got one life. We all want our lives to count, don't we? This is not dress rehearsal. This is it. And we all want, we all want our lives uh, to count. Well, Paul wrote to the Christians in the church at Corinth to tell them, never forget, this is what matters. It is not a waste of time. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It is not useless. It is not a mistake. Uh, There's some of you that God may be calling to do what he called me to do, to serve him vocationally, full time with your entire life. It, listen, if you can just get God to let you do it, do it. If you can ask him, God, would you just let me do this? But all of us are to be serving. And he said, it's the best thing. you do. you got one life. It is the best way you can spend your one and only life serving God's purposes wherever he's placed you. It's the very best way. It matters. Now, he, he calls it labor. My pastor, Dr. William L. Clinton, told me on the mo- Monday morning after I made public uh, the fact that I, I believe God was calling me to be a pastor. I was a, I was a college student. He said, come see me in the morning. Well, I always just did what he said. I showed up, and he said, I got one thing to tell you today, and I want you to think about it this week. And he said, I'm, I know you're excited about the Lord and his work, but now write this down, okay? The Lord's work is work. It's work. It's labor. At times, it's hard. At times, it's exhausting. So what do you mean it's exhausting? Well, some of you are exhausting people. (laughs) But you're still valuable. God still loves you. We still love you. And um, sometimes there are just a lot of people to care for and a lot of sermons to preach and a lot of people to pray for and a lot of sick people in the hospitals and a lot of lost people in other cultures and in other countries. And we got to get our money together and take our time and we got to go. It It is work. It's wonderful work. It's, it's, it's thrilling. But if you do it right, when you get to the end of the day, you're tired. So don't be surprised. 
And most things that are meaningful are somewhat difficult. It's work. But there's no better way to spend your one and only life than serving God, serving his purposes, serving the people he created, and serving his world. Or, 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 you can just live for your old self. Now, those are the options. You can live for God, or you can live for yourself. You can live your life trying to add more zeros to an income figure. What a waste. Do excel in the Lord's work. Be focused and unwavering, knowing without a doubt that it matters. So let me help you get really practical here a moment. This is for you. We all have some of the same things. We all have time. We all have talents. They're different. But God's given you abilities, spiritual abilities, natural talents, and abilities. We have time. We all have talents. We all have treasure. We have money and material possessions. Some of us have a whole lot. Some of us have a little. We all have relationships. We all have responsibilities. So take those five things. Just jot those down on your note sheet. Time, talents, treasure, key relationships. Who are the key, what are the key relationships God's given you providentially in your life? Um, responsibilities. What are your current responsibilities in life? So jot those down. Now this week, here's your homework. In your time alone with God, begin praying through. So Lord, how do I use my time? How do you want me to use my talents? How do you want me to use my treasure, my money? How do you want me to use my relationships? How do you want me to use the responsibilities I already have to, to excel in your work? Got it? Got it? Okay. Now that, so in your quiet time, make that part of your time, in your prayer time, begin and, and stick with this prayer. You may be days into praying through this. You may be weeks into praying through this. You may, you may spend your whole year. Honestly, this is a prayer that I've been praying for 40 years. How do you want me to do this now? I mean, I'll, in a few days, I'll be going on my annual couple of day retreat where I get along with God. And this is some of the stuff I just lay out before him in prayer and be quiet and listen to what, how, how do I do this? What do you want me to do with this? We sang earlier, I raise my white flag. I surrender all to you. It's easy to sing and hard to do, isn't it? My prayer for our church typically every week is, Lord, help us to actually believe and live what we sing to you. Because I, I, that's, that's a hard thing to do. I mean, how do you surrender all? Sean, I mean, that's really hard I mean, to know. I'm not even sure I know what that is, but I want to know. You might even say to God, I don't even know how to do that, but I want to do that. I don't know what that is. But just say, Lord, help me, to, help me to learn to pray as you prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not thy will, but my, my, uh, your will, my will, but thine. I'll get it out in a minute. <laughs> help me to not be, have my tang tongled, Lord. Yes, people think I'm speaking in tongues in here, just trying to talk English. But you, but you know, you, you, uh, you, you may need to pray, Lord, I, I, want, I actually want to surrender to you. Teach me and enable me to do so. But you surrender these things to God. And uh, 
You get intentional. I'm asking you to join me in 2014 and getting all in on this to the point that we're fired up and charging hell with empty water pistols because the stakes are sky high. I'm going to pray for you in a minute, but I want us to pray for some people who are on this path already. I want to invite uh, uh, Jay and Karen Vineyard to the platform, and I want to invite Barry and Robin Odom to the platform. You guys come on up. Come, Come right on up. There you go. Jay and Karen and their, their three great kids have been a part of our church for, gosh, almost two years now. I think so. yeah. yeah, come right over here. There you go. Come on over, Odoms. And um, Jay has um, been serving very, very, very part-time on our church staff overseeing guest services on the weekends. But his primary ministry for the last 14 years has been with the Georgia Baptist Convention, serving in the leadership department, helping over 3,500 Georgia Baptist churches get better at, at, at leadership and so that the church can accomplish its mission. Well, uh, we have asked, and he has said yes, to join our staff full-time as our third associate pastor. He started Thursday. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. Um, uh, Jay's primary responsibilities in three areas. He will be uh, developing and implementing our volunteer system. Uh, He will be giving oversight to our, all of our pastoral care, uh, all of our caregiving ministries, uh, as well as continue to oversee and provide leadership to our guest services. He and Karen are a ministry couple. They've been at it since college days and we're thrilled that God's brought you here and they're all in. They're all in. We're praying that they excel. We're going to pray for them in just a second. Barry and Robin Odom, most, most of you will know, but many of you will not know. Barry and Robin were a part of the original core group, leadership group, that gathered to plant Dogwood Church 27 years ago. And then, and then Barry stepped out of the marketplace and came on to our staff and served as one of our pastors for almost 17 years. Ten years ago, God led them and we amended and sent them to uh, Seattle, Washington to plant a church there and to strengthen the work of the kingdom there. And that's what they've been doing for a decade. Now, God has called them back here, uh, partnering with us and, and with... Um, our North American Mission Board in an initiative to help repopulate urban Atlanta with life-giving churches. And so they're coming to plant a new spiritual family, uh, a, a, a new church somewhere in, uh, inside the loop of 285. Not quite sure exactly where yet, but, but it's coming. Uh, they are all in, and we're going to pray for them too. And here's, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. I want you to pray for both of the, these couples uh, in light of what we've just talked about. For some of you, this is not the church for you. Others of you, this is your church family, but I'm going to ask you to ask God if he will let you move into the city, relocate to the city, be in the community, and join the leadership team of planting this new church. So just start asking. Just start asking. And um, others, to give of your resources... Uh, your expertise, your money, your time, your talents, even if you don't go permanently. Uh, They're going to be around here. I'm going to ask you to be in the lobby, and you can talk to them uh, after the service. 
but we're going to pray for them now. So here's the way I want to do it. If you are already serving on Jay's ministry team of guest services, one of our largest ministry teams, I want you to stand. Ushers, greeters, coffee servers, help desk, parking lot folks. Yes, yes. Now, I, we don't have time to get you all up here on the platform, but would you join me in just kind of reaching out your hands toward them uh, as we pray for them? Many of you are friends and family members, and, um, and oh, Barry and Robin, if you're one of their friends and brothers and sisters in Christ and you'd help me pray for them, you just stand as well. And just, okay, just hold out your hands like we are laying hands on these folks, and I'm going to pray for us all. Then I'm going to pray for you. Lord, Lord, I want to thank you uh, for Jay and Karen Vineyard, their friendship, their fellowship. Thank you for bringing them to us as gifts. I pray that your hand be on them, the, the power of your Holy Spirit through them, uh, that everything that they think and say and choose and feel and do be done in demonstration of your Spirit and your power. And Lord, use them to cause us to excel in, abound in your work here. Lord, I pray for Barry and Robin. I thank you for calling them uh, to urban Atlanta. And now I pray that your hand be upon them, show them the way to go. Order their steps. I pray that you would give them all of the, um, the leadership team members they need, all of the people they need, all of the money they need, all of the resources they need, all of the ideas they need, all of the facilities they need, uh, all of the equipment they need, uh, all the open doors that they need to plant this new life-giving spiritual family uh, somewhere in urban Atlanta. And Lord, use us as a blessing to them to partner with them in this new sister church in this job of making more and better followers of you who love you here and around the world. And, Lord, I want to pray for this congregation. I want to pray now, Lord, that you would help us by your grace, by your grace, to be steadfast, immovable, always excelling, always abounding in, always overflowing with the work of the Lord, knowing that it's the very best way we can spend our one and only life. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.